Yo, yo. What's going on? What's going on, man? <clears throat> uh, not too much. Um, so, um, looks like Drain Dance's uh, podcast is back in action. Um, uh, so, let's go ahead and get a clap it up for that. We are back. Um, and, look, it's been a lot that's going on, um, both politically, uh, socially, and especially sports. Um, and so, uh, look, one of us is definitely having a, um, (laughs) (laughs) better time than the other. And I'm going to, uh, kick it off to you. Um, Des, congratulations, uh, for myself and the listeners. Congratulations on yet another Alabama national title. Um, this is, uh, number seven for Saban. Um, so, hey. Amidst COVID and all the craziness of uh, the uh, uh, impact on teams and play and uh, flow and not knowing who's going to be available, who's not your own head coach, um, having to uh, miss a game uh, due to it. Uh, tell us about it, your experience, and how do you weigh this championship compared to the others? Do you weigh it less? Does it not feel as fulfilling? Uh, tell us how you feel. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it's it's any less fulfilling. Um, we talked about it, you know, a little bit with the Lakers winning the NBA championship, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm of the same, you know, the same tone. Uh, I I don't think that it should be discounted because it was just as difficult. Um, you know, it being for obviously the Lakers being away from family and things like that, and with um, you know Alabama just with so much just uncertainty with everything. Uh, you know, there were a time where they didn't know if a season would be played. You know, the SEC had been pretty constant in their, you know, we're going to forge ahead type of, of messaging. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's any less fulfilling. I think they had to play some pretty tough teams on their way to, to getting there. Um, you know, it, it's the first time they played an all SEC regular season schedule. You know, there was no out of conference. You had, um, you know, Florida that you played in the SEC championship game, you know, Notre Dame and then Ohio State. So um, I don't think that that COVID, you know, made made things any easier by any stretch of the imagination. I think it took a, a bigger focus for the team because not only, you know, do you have to focus on what you need to do on the field, you also it's also more important of what you do off of the field, because if you are you know, irresponsible and not taking the proper measures and, you know, you get, you know, COVID or exposed or anything like that. And and now, you know, the chain reaction that we all kind of are aware of, you know, you could, you could have a situation like Ohio state did when you miss a game or, or two, you know, because of just one thing that you decided to do to be irresponsible as an individual. And now it has that type of impact on the team. So, um, I think it I think it, it increased the level of difficulty when you look at, you know, number one, the regular season schedule. You look at just the amount of discipline that you need to have off of the field, um, you know, and just I would say just the distractions, you know, that were just everywhere. We had the, you know, Saban with the false positive the week of Georgia, which going into that game was the biggest. I mean, that was the biggest regular season game that, you know, Alabama had. So you've got you're dealing with that type of uh, distraction. 
And then, you know, when obviously Saban did test positive, and I want to say that was uh, Auburn uh, game, you know, it just it, it just created more distractions, which is, you know, you know, Saban hates them. So uh, I, I definitely don't discount it. I thought they did a, a phenomenal job of uh, at least offensively just staying consistent and not having too many highs or lows. And defensively, uh, definitely had some highs and lows, but I, I think – the the focus on consistent improvement was uh, was was impressive, and you know when they got to the national championship game, um, Ohio State was was banged up coming into the game, and then you end up losing a couple more guys. You know it, it it's it's tough to do that when you're you know when you're playing a team that's rolling the way that that Alabama is. So um, I, I definitely don't think it's it's uh, this championship should be discounted due to COVID. I, I think it makes it a little more difficult, but um, but no, it was a it was a big win, man. It was a, a really good win, and we are going through the the uh, typical Saban cycle of you know his coordinators and staff are being you know pulled and plucked to uh, to different programs and gotta gotta reload, man. So this is the this is the tough part of of you know having success is other programs want you know what what a little bit of that secret sauce. Yeah, uh, Alabama is the. Uh... I guess uh, Saban is a head coaching a really good uh, rehab center, you know, uh, yeah. coaches um, and head coaches in particular, you know, get fired or uh, well, no, it, it, they get fired, you know, due to having a bad situation or things don't go their way. Um, they go to Bama. They uh, get the public view of rejuvenating themselves and learning from the best and Nick Saban. And uh, they normally you – know, Here's some background. You hear me? Yep. Um, what is that? Yeah, they they normally uh, get a job pretty quickly because you know they go play, they go coach with Saban. Of course, the team has great success. Um, most likely, their head coach pays a big part in that because they are offensive or defensive coordinator, and then they're on their way. Like Steve Sarkeesian, um, now is going to be down in Texas, um, right? He is going to Texas, right? Uh, yep. So, and then now also you brought in uh, who did not not Dan Quinn? What heck? Uh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Good old Bill. Uh, is it mm-hmm. ironic how much you <laughs> bagged on him? Yeah. Rightfully so. Uh, lat, uh, earlier this NFL season, and uh, now he's going to be your offensive coordinator, or I would assume some big role. Um, but yeah, no, you know I I agree with you. Um, I I won't go the whole focus route because uh, I know that's your thing. And granted, you guys really do are great at that. But I, I just think the argument for Bama is they were clearly, uh, maybe outside of uh, week one or week two, every week that uh, we watched the Ole Miss game together, uh, they were clearly the best team, the most consistent team. Uh, even the teams around them who were <clears throat> seen as comparable in talent, uh, like the Clemsons and uh, Ohio State, maybe Florida, um, Georgia, definitely for one point in time, uh, all had chinks in the armor, you know, they, and they, they were always cautious about, you know, how good they really were. Uh, for Georgia, you know, I told you this, um, uh, Stephen Bennett, uh, the five, seven quarterback, I'm like, you can't, <laughs> you can't be starting for a top five team, especially in the SEC and expect to be successful. I'm sorry, dude. I know he has a great story. <laughs> But, you know, I just knew that wasn't going to last, and I told you that. 
Uh, but Georgia had their rest of their team. Yeah, it's, it's not far from Bama. But, you know, yeah, that was a big question mark, the quarterback position. You look at Florida, um, Kyle Trask uh, definitely took off. Um, he looks like he's going to be a first-round draft pick at quarterback. But, you know, I think the rest of the team is not quite as good as Bama, right? So that was questions you had about them. LSU, we, we saw at week one them losing to – um, we go into week two when they lost to uh, Mississippi State. We're like, okay, this is going to be a long season for them. Um, you know, uh, Clemson, uh, you know, them losing Trevor Lawrence for an extended period of time um, due to COVID. And then, you know, the loss to Notre Dame, you just didn't quite know if they were going to be able to have the same consistency, right, that you needed to go on the run. Uh, Ohio State, you know, Big Ten, a mess. Uh, <laughs> you know, first deciding way too early that they were not going to play. Um, and then they saw what the SEC and the ACC was doing. Oh, that we can play football. And, you know, people are watching. Um, we may not have fans, but we can do this. Um, and then they brought it back um, at some point late so t- September for an October 24th start date. And, um, you know, didn't give them, themselves any wiggle room for cancellations, which they knew were a very high possibility. Um, because now, because they started so late, they didn't have any wiggle room for like any flex weeks. You know, and then they created these these really weird um, sit out times. You know, instead of two weeks or fourteen days or whatever other conferences do, they did twenty one days, and that greatly impacted Ohio State, who had multiple cancellations. Uh, missed their own COVID issues, uh, but they had multiple cancellations and uh, they were never able to really get into a flow. And from an uh, external perspective, you know, trying to see how, you know, how good they really were, you really couldn't tell because their schedule was super weak. And also, you know, you didn't really have a, a good view. Uh, I think it was only six games they played uh, of how good the team really was. You knew Justin Fields was, was legit. Uh, you knew they had some uh, talented guys on their team. But you didn't know what was the um, uh, ceiling of the team. So um, my point is, is that, like I said, you know, all the teams that were supposedly competing with Bama had issues or were inconsistent. Um, and, uh, oh, I forgot Notre Dame, too. You know, same thing. You know, they scored 12 points first freaking Duke. So they got the win. But I'm sorry, dude. Anytime you only score 12 points against Duke, I, you got some problems. So, um Alabama, you know, road tie, Crimson tie, you know, they were the best team and uh, yeah, they deserve a championship. So um, anything you want to add on that? Uh, no, I, I uh, actually just one quick question for you before we move on. Um, it's actually about Ohio State. Uh, could you make an argument that if Ohio, I mean, essentially Ohio State played, let's just call it half the the schedule that Alabama did. I think they ended up with seven games. I think Alabama was like 13 Mm -hmm. when it was all said and done. Mm -hmm. Could you make an argument that if Ohio state played the same amount of games that, that, that the national championship would have been more competitive? Um, that's a good question. I, you know what? I'm still going to say no, because I, you know, from watching that, you know what? I'm going to try not to let, the bias, not the recency bias of how that national title game went to influence me. It kind of actually goes, it conflicts directly with your question. Well, 
well, I know that it was a bad game. I mean, it wasn't really close, but you're saying, well, if they had more games to play, would have been different. And um, my answer is I don't think so because I, I, I think Ohio State's issue was that they just couldn't match up defensively with you guys. Um, yeah. And I don't think Ohio State playing more games – um, I, I don't think it was a rhythm or uh, I wouldn't even say X, uh, X's and O's as much. I mean, clearly, you know, their defensive coordinator couldn't find a way to, you know, make some adjustments. But I just think it was, a, for, you know, it was talent, you know, talent differential at the right positions. Um, you know, I'll, I actually would say Ohio State has a better offensive line than you guys do. Like their offensive line is really, really good. Um, you might disagree with that, but I think they're really, really, really good. It's really close. But uh, their receiving core is close to you guys. Not quite there, but they're close. Um, but, you know, you look at on defense, their speed, man, their speed, especially on the exterior, just can't keep up with you guys. And I think that would have been the same thing. And then you, you pair that with Najee Harris, no matter if your defense plays six games or 12, you're still going to struggle against that guy. <laughs> yeah, he had a good season. Yeah, you you make some good points. <clears throat> I I um I just saw how Alabama kind of figured things out as the season went on, mainly mainly defensively. But I I I agree with you. I think that um you know that that game. It, I don't think it would be as bad. But but then too, I mean, you also have to look at injuries, you know, as well. Like you you play twice as many games, you got twice as many opportunities for injuries. Right. So. I know, obviously, Trey Sermon got injured, but, you know, we missed Jalen Waddle for most of the season. So, it, you know, who knows if Chris Olave, you know, it lasts the whole season or, you know, whatever the case may be. So there, there's that potential as well. So uh, just wanted to get your uh, your take on that. And, and um, also, Grant, you know, and uh, don't discount – you can't discount the fact that clearly, and I, even though he still played an incredibly gutsy – um, and also very efficient and fantastic game versus Clemson while being hurt. Uh, I still do believe that Justin Fields was not nearly – okay, I, I don't want to use a crutch. Oh, he was 100% because I don't think any football player is 100%. I'll say halfway through your season, you're, you're feeling some bumps and bruises. But I, I, as a quarterback, I do believe – not I'm a quarterback, but him being a quarterback, I do believe that rib injury did impact him. Uh, I won't say that was the main reason the offense couldn't really do much with you guys. I mean, you were in his face. Um, you know, you guys did a, a fantastic job. Um, and, and Patrick Sertain uh, did a good job as well uh, with Chris Olave and Ohio State receivers. But, you know, and maybe if he's healthy, that also helps a little bit as well for Ohio State. You know, just the fact that we got to pull, it sounds like we're, Pulling pull teeth and trying to find things shows you the, the the gap in that game. So I think we're in lockstep that you know you guys were clearly the best team and you 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 won it outright. Now, my favorite topic. Um, so before the season started, we talked about. I can't remember on this podcast or, you know, in personal conversation. Jim Harbaugh. Yes, Jim Harbaugh. I know people are like, oh, God, they're about to do this again. Yes, we are. 
<laughs> well, I mean, we live in Michigan. Yeah. And, and you know what I mean? Michigan is the the biggest brand here in, in the state by far. So, yeah, we we that is going to be something we talk about, especially when something big happens in the program. So, oh, yeah, yeah it was big. All right. Here we go. So, Desmond, do you recall we talked about earlier this season? Um, hey, um, it, it looks like Jim Harbaugh is one of the few Power Five coaches who is going into the season with, you know, what, what was it, a year left on his deal? Yep. So he, he went into this season with only next season left on his contract. So essentially. And he was the only Power Five coach with wow. that that uh, uh, length of, of term on his contract left. Right. The only one. Right. And we're like, hmm, I wonder why they haven't signed it yet. Okay. So the season starts. Uh, there's no real talk of an extension outside of people, besides people on the outside radio stations, ourselves, like, uh, and I, th- I think national media too, talking about, you know, should Michigan Jim bring Jim Harbaugh? You got guys like Seth Greenberg, Old Green. Oh, if this doesn't work, if Jim Harbaugh doesn't work at Michigan, no one will. Um, yeah, it can't. It it can't work. Like, oh my god. It, I'm sorry to interrupt right. you, but that that the the consistent like bailout messaging from the national media for Jim Harbaugh like blows my mind (laughs) like to think that the only that like literally that's what greeny is saying the only way michigan can win is jim harbaugh that is that's the only way you'll be a national championship team is jim harbaugh that like no so you're telling me no other coach if urban meyer came and walked through the door he could not do it because it jim harbaugh is the only one that can do it Nick Saban walks through the door, dabble, no one else. Like, that is just crazy to me. That is crazy to me. I And I, I will, in Harbaugh's defense, he hasn't been an awful coach. And we have, and we've talked about that. He's not been a disaster. I mean, he's won, I think, 70% of his games, something like that, 75, 77% of his sure. games. It's just the, the games that you need. Like, he just has, obviously, Ohio State is the, the big roadblock that, you're not going to get anywhere until you beat them. Like it, there, there's no path to Indianapolis. There's no path to the college football playoff. Well, that's more gray. But you, until that, until you do that, like you won't complete any goals that that you want for your season. Uh, you know, and it, it's um, for, for one, yeah, you're right. Um, it, it's it, it's not like. It's not like he's been a total failure, but let's describe what a total failure would be. A total failure would be something like, yeah, like the Rich Rod era or the Hulk era where you're winning consistently five to seven games a year. I mean, there were years, I think, um, Rich Rich Rod went four and eight in 08. Um, You know, it was historically bad. But people have used that as like some kind of um, even a small minority of my fan base, Michigan fan base used that as like, Oh, if we move on from Jimmy, you know, enjoy those days of being four and eight winning seven games a year. Like that's like the (laughs) average 
number of wins the program would do before Jim Harbaugh got here. So you're taking a small microcosm of what was 130, this is team 138, whatever it is. You're not Michigan does that dumb thing. Team <laughs> 125. So you're talking about over 100 years of Michigan football. You're literally looking at, what, seven years of results and using that as the basis of your fear that, oh, we'll go back to that if, if, if we don't have Jimmy. And since Jimmy has came in, he's averaged around nine wins. And like you said, Desmond, you know, I'm looking at it now, uh, 72% uh, he's won 70, 72% of his games at Michigan. Um, so that's good. But that's very misleading. And what people in the national media fail to do, because uh, it would really defeat their own argument, which is to find some way to spin that Harbaugh deserves to stay in Michigan and should stay in Michigan, uh, is that his record any his records and any gains that are significant. It could be gains that versus Teams that are uh, ranked in the top 25, he's has a losing record. Um, he had, you know, he's three and three versus MSU, um, and just lost a game in which MSU <laughs> is in the first, the very, very first um, season under a new coach who is replacing maybe the best coach in program history. Granted. Mm-hmm. And, and also think of the circumstances that D'Antonio oh, left yeah. as well. Like it, it, it was, it was a disaster. It was a mess. He left, he wrapped up in like February. I mean, it was awful mm-hmm. timing. They had to, you know, they went to Mel Tuck, like, and this was without a doubt, the worst year ever to bring in a new head coach by far. And you let that team beat you. Like that, not good you, lord. You let that team I, I just, beat you, new head coach, barely any time to get to know his team, nor time to practice and implement his systems and see who can play, who can get there, who can't, help them develop, help them learn um, their system um, due to COVID and the complications of COVID. MSU shut, uh, shut down their program multiple times before the season started. And then you have the season being postponed. I mean, so many things. And here Michigan is going to year six under the same guy. It's like, so it was not like Michigan. Oh, my God. Michigan was – had were, they were unsteady everywhere. Uh, Michigan was one of a few teams that never shut down once under COVID. Um, but so, somehow, ironically, they do later in the season versus Ohio State. <clears throat> yeah, convenient. Um, but, you know, so MSU is all rocky. And then, granted, Greg Shiano seems like he may be – Turning that program around, at least for from a Rutgers uh, uh, type of turnaround, you know, we're not talking about ascending in the Big Ten, but becoming respectable at least. They go out week one and get beat. This is MSU, get beat by the worst Big Ten team ever. <laughs> and so, rightfully so, MSU. There were MSU fans, Desmond, who were saying Mel Tucker is not the guy. <laughs> that and which is which is very difficult to to gauge off of literally the first. But it was game. so embarrassing, but because it was Rutgers, yeah, and 
and grant that was probably a minority uh of the msu fan base but th that that's how embarrassing it was and the game was so bad too it wasn't like it was even close the very next week <laughs> they played the wolverines and you know got guys on the sideline height granted you know there's no fans in the big house but there's no fans anywhere in the big 10 so i can't give it an excuse michigan's coming off a night game in minnesota people like uh like um uh your your boy uh uh what is his name he calls oh uh Clat Clat Joe Clat yeah saying Joe Milton just may be Harbaugh's most talented team. Joe Milton looks <laughs> legit off of week one. And granted, both of us was like, wow, Michigan looked really impressive. They go all week two, you're like, oh, Michigan's about to roll. Fart noise. Yep. You don't like it, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> they went up. Well, for all and for all of the, you know, we we talked about it, but you know, guys, it, it the difficult part with coaching is, is almost it's almost more difficult to coach guys and keep them focused when you have success versus when you when you don't because when guys lose, it, it's natural. Guys hate losing, like so they're gonna like work hard to try to get out mm -hmm. of that rut. Now, granted, if if you're talking, you know, we're zero and ten, like that might be a little more difficult, but. You know, you lose your first game of the season. It in in week two, guys are motivated to want to get a win. Like they're motivated to do that. On the flip side, when you have a team that wins, you know it, it's inevitable that guys will go to the ESPNs and Twitter and all and They're all the message boards to hear. Uh, right, and, and 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 trust me, I understand. I get it. Like, cause that is a that it it is. It's hard not You're to going do that. To a local you know what I mean? Like papers? so. Looking at the stats. Oh, I was going to daily time every <laughs> it, literally like so. The way the way it worked is obviously I you know played back in 06. so like you know the the um obviously things were on the internet, but it took a little bit longer. Whereas now you know you have stats and everything listed like hours after the game, but for us it was like Sunday afternoon, so we we'd play Saturday. Right? Yeah. Right. So we'd play Saturday and then like Sunday after like all of our, you know, workout stuff and film and all that. Like then we'd go to the the student uh, the student union and then we'd go in the computer lab and start seeing what all the, you know, the papers and stuff said. So, yeah, like it, that. I mean, and, and I played Division three football. So imagine, you know, being a Division one guy at a monster program. Don't like you know Michigan. that Harbaugh and the Michigan program, they go into the submarine, uh, the submarine. Is that what they say? Those guys don't know nothing about the outside world. Psych. Um, so they, they, they go in and, you know, big game. And I think Klatsk, you know, he's calling the game. And uh, essentially, uh, I can't think of the guy's, uh, the guy name who played out his mind. Um, help me remember his name. Oh, uh, apparently Antoine Simmons. Antoine Simmons thought he was, because essentially he was right at his high school stadium, which is right by the big house. He thought he was for the high school game. No, no, no. It, it it let's 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 be a little more specific. It is more than right by Michigan Stadium. It is like a five minute walk from his from where like a, literally a five minute walk from his football stadium to the Michigan Big House. Yeah. Like he is right there, and he wasn't a under the radar recruit. The guy was either four, four or five star stars. Guy, yeah. Like played ball right next to the big house and 
you, and like it, I, I don't even, I don't, I don't get it. And parent, he made, it. he played like he literally like was like, oh, I got a game this Friday. Like he played like in terms of how he dominated, he essentially played like he was playing against high schoolers. He was all over the field, and uh, he dominated the game. And um, you know, Joe Milton going now saying like, oh yeah, I did. He wasn't on my radar. Oh great, thank you, Joe. Yeah, you know what? If that's the truth, because clearly maybe he wasn't. That is a huge indictment on yourself. And your coaching staff. <laughs> Can you imagine? My God, Pep. Uh, not Pep. I'm getting. I think I'm all. See, they start to mix together. You know, um, uh, Gaddis. Uh, I'm gonna give the brothers a, a little bit of um, credit. You know, and, and and assume that they discussed discussed uh, discussed them. But um, yeah, that not not the best choice of words. But anyway, essentially. Uh, there's no extension for Harbaugh. Let's get back on the rails here. There's no extension for Harbaugh. There's speculation about what's going on. And then you're seeing MSU, the MSU loss, which was embarrassing. And uh, I can't remember the games afterwards, but I do remember that we eventually we went, we ran up against an 0-5. That's right, an 0-5 Penn State team who <laughs> lost their best player either to opt-outs and Micah Parsons before the season even started. And by the time they got to the Michigan game, Due to how bad their season was, more guys opted out over hurt. And yeah, Penn State came to Michigan and uh got their season on the rails. Hey, Michigan is apparently the team that you get your crap together. <laughs> There's the a springboard. And basically the the season went off the rails, if it ever was on the rails. Um, and then fast forward to uh I want to say, yeah, late, uh, early December, um, you know, Maryland's kind of taken off. TT's little brother, uh, baby TT, as you would call him, uh, starting to play a little, <laughs> starting to play well. Um, and uh, there's rumblings that Michigan may cancel the game versus Maryland. Hmm. For the first time, other teams have gone. Mind you, all the te- pretty much every team in the Big Ten at this point has had COVID issues cancellations you know had to you know maneuver and stuff like that not michigan but all of a sudden they uh canceled the game versus maryland I'm like okay well you know next week's ohio state maybe they did this to be you know precautious and make sure that do all the contact tracing they need to do so have you know know exactly where they need to be versus ohio state not to mention we uh we both know the 21 day Sit out rule is so stupid and really hurt them too. But okay, they, they should be ready versus Ohio State. Um, in the midst of that, you're hearing the rumblings again. Uh, contact tracing not going well, numbers are increasing. Michigan having all kinds of issues with, um, you know, understanding and what players can play or eligible to play or not. Then all of a sudden, like it was some big surprise because we all, well, but, even before that. You you even had on you know when I, I believe when the Maryland game was canceled that Saturday, right. you had a big big personality in Kirk Herbstreet who is uh, one of the hosts on ESPN uh, College Game Day, you know throw out the because ru- it was a rumor like whether you know people believed it or not you know that's another thing but there were rumblings and, and rumors flying around that Michigan was going to throw in the towel because they didn't want to match up with Ohio State. You know, at that point, they were two and four. Um, and, you know, they had Ohio State the next week who was rolling. 
So it was, you know, it, that that happened on that Saturday, and then you know, go ahead, you can you can take it from there. Yeah, um, yeah, and so like you know, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, Herbie said that, and and boy, did he create a stir in in Ann Arbor. You had <laughs> Ward Manuel deliver a stern rejection to that accusation by a fool, and Herbie saying that we would even dare dodge games and all this other stuff and go blue and we are Michigan and all this other crap, right? Trying to light a fire in a fan base and say, we would never do that. We take the more high ground. We don't hide from anyone. Well, everybody knew you didn't <laughs> want that smoke. Let's just keep it real here. Your team, your team sucked. <laughs> you don't have a quarterback. Joe Milton was a disaster. You brought in Kate McNamara. He was a slight upgrade, and then he gets hurt versus Penn State, in which you have to bring Joe Milton back. He's going on freaking sidelines talking about, uh, I can't wait to come back and show y'all what I can do. He's already got his mind off the, his foot off the door. Your team is an absolute disaster. Your defense is trash. Don Brown, who was at the time still defensive coordinator for uh, Michigan, and his defense is getting absolutely freaking exposed by everyone. Everybody knew. Not, uh, and, oh, and I, we forgot Desmond. Not to mention, uh, before the season even started, Ryan Day said he's going to hang 100 on you. <laughs> I did forget about so that. So <laughs> you take that context. It's a how the season's going for both the teams in Ohio State and in Michigan. What Ryan Day said, and then what Herbie is saying, you're like, uh, yeah, Um, I mean, I can see the Ohio State Sharks, and I'm looking at Michigan. That's chum in the water. That's not even a live animal. That's chum, chopped up meat, floating, just waiting to be devoured. Um, And everybody knows this. So no surprise when Michigan, uh, of course, cancels the game. And then, Desmond, I think on Thursday or Friday – before the schedule, the, the 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 day the game was supposed to be scheduled, Michigan decides to hold a press conference. You know, because it's a big deal. This is the game. We canceled it, and we we know we need to get out there and talk about why and make sure the media has a chance to ask questions so we can quell the fan base, right? Quell some of these speculations about our intentions of playing or not playing. And Mind you, Jim Harbaugh still has a site and extension in the midst of this disaster, once again, season. So, of course, the media, local Detroit media, asks Ward Manuel, um, hey, you guys, you know, I you know, understand that things are going pretty rough for you guys. Uh, Jim, Jim or Ward, uh, how are negotiation talks for an extension going? Uh, well, we're not here to really discuss that. You know, we wanted to have the press conference to, uh, <laughs> you know, talk about why we decided to cancel and, of course, make sure that we gave Ohio State um, the chance and the opportunity uh, to do what they have to do to, you know, make sure they can play in a big entire game, which we do believe they should. But, uh, yeah, in terms of an extension, uh, those talks have will not happen until after the season. Even though your season is over, right? Okay, oh. cool, got it. I, I, the, my thing is, just, there was no point no. to have that press conference. There was zero point. Look, we canceled the game. Is what it is. Like we put out a statement. 
we're having COVID issues right now. We can't play the game. That's it. Like, it, have a press conference for what? All you do is open yourself up for potential foolishness. Like, e- so even if that press conference would have gone exactly as, as they planned it for, for Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh, you, you still weren't going to come out huh. looking any better. Like, okay, you come out and make a statement. They, you know, and say the reporters ask only about the COVID issues. Well, you know, our numbers are whatever. We've got 50, you know, whatever the case may be. You're still not going to come out of that no. looking good. Like, to me, there was no, like, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you got Jim up there and Ward up there. You're 0 and 5, uh, 0 and 6, 0 and, not, oh, I'm sorry. They got a win. I'm sorry. Uh, who else did they, 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 they were 2 and 4 or something they like beat- that. Minnesota, they beat Minnesota first week, and then you guys gotcha. beat Rutgers. Overtime. Yes. Oh, I forgot. Yes, the overtime thriller in which Reggiano probably kind of cost him the game <laughs> by deciding to kick a field goal way too early in overtime when he could have had he had a lot more territory to try to score a touchdown. By I, I digress. Anyway, but you were two and four, um, and so your your season is a disaster. So people are going to have questions. So like the. And I think it was at that moment Ward figured out, uh, I don't think we can get out of this. I mean, like, I mean, because at the end of the day, like, you're having this press conference because you canceled the game. Also, like, your season's over and you just had a terrible season with horrific losses. So it was never going to end well for them. So I agree. Like, you should, they should have, that's a lack of awareness. You should, they should have decided, you know what, you know, there's just no way we're going to be able to avoid Jim's extension talks. Our season, uh, our season, the way it went. So maybe we just release a statement and just go from there. So, but typical Michigan, they figure they figure they can always spin it, right? They're the spin masters, and um, <laughs> they didn't spin um, at all. You know, you know, you ever see that as a kid? Those uh, things that you can get in and you can like spin it, like it's like on a playground. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they go around, and uh, they thought they got on that thing, and they could spin it as fast as they used to, and. Uh, it didn't move that much. So that's that's what happened. And um, lo and behold, you know, the season's over for Michigan. And um, they were talking, maybe they'll play the Iowa game. They didn't want to play the Iowa, Iowa game. They canceled that game too. And, uh, you know, you finish the season canceling, canceling three games in a row and you don't play again. Um, optics were not great. To me, I, I don't understand, especially in this year with COVID, because it, it sounded like and it seemed like essentially if you wanted to play a bowl game, you could. I don't understand for Michigan, the, whoever made that decision, whether it's Ward Manuel, Jim Harbaugh. I'm sure Jim had a say in that. Why would you not play because in a bowl game? Because here is my thought. Well, OK, well, if, if, if that's the case, then that's fine. Also lets me know you probably shouldn't be the head coach at Michigan anymore. But on the flip side is you have a young quarterback who just started to to play a little bit. Like McNamara mm-hmm. didn't get to play a ton. With bowl prep and bowl season, you get an additional mm-hmm. 15 practices mm-hmm. and another game. Wouldn't that be great to have Caden McNamara for two straight weeks taking reps with the ones, with his starting group, whoever it is, and then also playing another football game as the starting quarter. Like, that's the thing. What what would Cade McNamara look like if he had two weeks of preparation and knew he was the guy coming into the game? Like, you, we don't know. 
You know what I mean? Because it hasn't happened. So I, I just don't understand why you would not take advantage of that. You've got freshmen on the team, even if you have opt-outs, right? Nico Collins is gone. And up. you still have guys on that team who are going to come back next year. Like another two weeks of development, another two weeks of Gaddis coaching them in that offensive system, another two weeks of, of getting reps on defense, special teams. Like it, to me, it was it, – it's – it's You know what it is? I, I just don't it get it. it. It's my hands are dirty. We just need to just wash our hands and just and be done with it. Yeah. You're you're doing your kids a disservice. It, it, as long as long as the kids want to play, and and I don't know the the thought and the feeling of the team, but if guys want to go out, well, here's the thing: if you're telling me that we're not canceling this Ohio State game, we're not scared of anybody. If that is true, mm -hmm. then you should have played in a bowl game. You, you had Michigan players doing and that, so you're 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 lying on one on one side. Some yeah. someone's lying. Oh, about I something. mean, and, and it's just like it's just so much smoke with the program, and not the good kind of smoke. like it's just like it, it's your head coach essentially is a lame duck coach, and his he has not been uh, his latest uh, results have not been very pleasing or uh, very encouraging, and not just that year, this past year, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of concerns. Um, and, and quick, quick, uh, pivot. And I, I really do want to fi uh, finish like, uh, what we were talking about, but regarding Nico Collins, this just came to my mind. Would you consider, even though you set up last year based on if you're, let, let's say if you're Nico's parents or his team, you know, his age, uh, he's talking to people, right. And you're fighting out through these mock drafts and back channels that you're supposed to be like a fifth or sixth round pick. Would you consider like maybe I should just go back to? I think he could like shop go back to Michigan and play this year yeah. uh, and try to get my value up. I would i I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it. I would go back. It, it's not a consider. It's a decision because, dude. As a, I, I get it, like you as a as a player, right? So if I'm in Nico's camp and not him, then I would say you should definitely consider going back because as a fifth round pick, like we can look and see the last two or three years of fifth round picks. Like mm -hmm. most of them don't stick and mm -hmm. you don't play special teams. So you, you know, you can't, you can't bring any value there. Um, but the tough part is if I am Nico Collins, I am thinking, well, yeah, but those guys aren't me. Right. That's, that, that's just what an athlete is thinking is I'm, I'm right. I'm talented. I can, you know, get this done. I, I can do it. Like, so yeah, no, I'm going to go. So I, I can see both sides of it, but if I if I were you know a, a close friend or you know parent or anything like that, I would I would definitely say you need to go talk to Jim. You need to go talk to Gaddis and potentially see about I mean, coming you, back. If you there's uh, no way unless they're crazy. Like I, I I'm sorry. Uh, I Michigan's just is just crowded with talented receivers right now. Um, there's no way if <laughs> even after sitting out this whole season, I don't care. You know, like. Uh, hey, Coach, uh, Coach Jay. Um, no, come on, Josh. Yes, yes, Nico. Yeah. Yes, yes. Before, <laughs> before, you know, before he even says anything, and uh, I, I think uh, you know, I would like to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we would love to have you, man. Thank you. Yes, still, still got your number right. You, you want number one? Still you want got your number one? You can have it. <laughs> you know, let's do it. And um, you know, no, it, it makes sense. And honestly, I I think we both know he won't, but I think it would because a special situation. You know, uh. The, the kids should go back because he's a top to me. He's a top three, third, you know, top 
three rounder talent. He really is. He's six four. He can, you know, he has sure. his speed. Um, he's a great catcher of the ball, especially height pointing the ball. He he should. He really, really should get that exposure that he needs. And um, I I think we both. He's yes, a he's, he's a first round talent. That that's what yeah. I that's what I think. Uh, and I and I thought for him coming in before obviously COVID and everything, and he opted out. I was just like. With a even with a solid season, um, you know, Nico, I think he'll be a first rounder. And I I thought he was the path to Michigan mm-hmm. getting where they wanted to get was him getting the ball, being a feature guy. And, you know, obviously with the opt outs and whatnot, he, uh, you know, decided not to play. But I, I would definitely come back because he, even if you just say even if you say, all right, Nico, you're only going to have a four year NFL career. Well, if I only have four years, I'm trying to get paid as much as I can right. in the beginning. You know what I mean? And even if you have a 10 year career that still I want to I want to get the most money I can up front. Like even if you're going to because if you make it to that second contract, no matter what it is like you, you know, you're you're losing out on so much money, so much money. I mean, you're what I, I think first round or you're probably minimum 10 to 12 yeah. million dollars signing bonus. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a as a first rounder versus fifth round, I mean, I don't I don't know if those guys are even at a million. Also, you know, signing bonus. You might be one complication um, that those guys need to take, like Nico need to take into account, is that as of now, things are status quo in terms of COVID's impact on sports. And we're going to get into that. And one thing that was really unfortunate for a lot of guys, especially football, so important to have a full offseason when you are fringe NFL players or guys who are not drafted in the top rounds because that's where you get to try to show your true value. Like, there's a reason why you weren't t- tr- uh, drafted in those top rounds because there are some kind of concerns uh, about your limitations, right? So when you get finally on the field, how many success stories have we seen around the league? Adam Thielen, name it, um, of guys who were drafted late, middle, late middle rounds, uh, fifth and later. And the reason why they became stars or legitimate starters in this league um, or just, you know, guys who are rotational guys but always have a job, like a freaking Don Carey. You remember him? Uh you know, it's because they did yep. really, really well in training camp in preseason games, which we didn't have. Yeah. They were able to show in on the NFL level that these guys can play. And a guy like Nico is like, man, you know, let's okay, you get drafted in the fifth round, but let's say we once again we don't have a preseason. Um, you, you just make it a lot. You, you, the odds of you getting cut. Or a lot more against you than it would be in a normal situation. So I think that's an additional things that additional thing that any player who's a fringe fifth to seventh round is like, man, the, you, the chance you're not gonna have have the uh, the chances as much as you normally would to have a tape out there to show that you deserve to stay on the team. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and two guys that stick out to me. Uh, are Victor yeah. Cruz and Terrell Davis the running back for the yeah. for the Broncos? I mean, Terrell Davis wow. got his yeah. on one play. You know what I mean? It was a, a kickoff where he came down and and you know made a big hit. But um, but yeah, no that that is a that's a great point. And and you think about it because if there's no preseason, well, all you get training camp to as far as opportunities. But 
once we get on the field, all these games count. So for me as a head coach or offensive coordinator or, or wide receiver coach for, you know, the Denver Broncos, I can't afford to put a guy out there who is not like ready to go. Like I can't, you know, I can't take away uh, uh, reps from from Jerry Judy and and I think Cortland Sutton, Sutton is is one of their other receivers. I can't take reps away from those guys to to try to get Nico in like that. My job is to put the best guys on the field, especially when all these games mm-hmm. count. Like we need every single one, so I can't afford to to take out Jerry Judy, who's got a full season of of experience, to put in my fifth round draft pick with with a potential opportunity of him missing the side adjustment and Drew Locke throwing a pick six because Nico doesn't know, you know what I mean? Like he just, just from being a rookie, like doesn't know though. Right. That's a rookie mistake. Well, guess what? We lost the game because of that. All these games count. And now I'm under fire. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the reality of what it could be. If there's no, 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 I'm with you, man. I think we lost the kids should return. Uh, But back to this hardball extension and uh, I will wrap this up. Then we'll move on to the next thing. Um, you know, so anyway, you know, the season is a disaster. And then you, you know, the season's over. Bowl season starts. Um, of course, Michigan's not playing. And then the college football playoffs start. But this is in the midst of what? I think the game was supposed to be on December 12th. Uh, for essentially, I think, five or six weeks, you're just in, we're just in limbo. The whole Nate country's in limbo. It's like, what's going on in Michigan? Yep. I mean, there's... uh Ward Manuel said, "We will have the, we will have those talks in the off season, right after the season's over." Okay, what is there to talk about? I mean, it shouldn't take six weeks. Six weeks, and essentially, <laughs> you're not hearing anything. It's not like there's rumblings. So, it, and then only rumblings you're really hearing is that uh, Jim Harbaugh may be looking to going back to the NFL. There may be ex teams looking to maybe interest in Jim Harbaugh. But nothing is uh, nothing about an extension. No, an extension is intimate report. Nothing like that. And basically, um, then you start to hear rumblings that this will kind of tick me off as a fan, as a Michigan fan. There's a there is an agreed upon. There's an offer on the table to Jim, but he is fielding, waiting to field. See, no, let me rephrase. He's waiting to see if he's going to field any NFL offers, any NFL interest. So essentially, Jim Harbaugh, who's done nothing, 72% win percentage be damned. He's never won anything of merit. He's always been embarrassed by his biggest rival. Has done a nothing for the University of Michigan football. Got an offer. I think, honestly, gracious. Like he should have been very gracious to get the offer. Didn't really deserve it. Got an offer uh, extension. Granted, I think we all kind of knew it was going to be a, a, a cut and pay, rightfully so. Got an offer to extension. And he was like, uh, I just kind of want to see if, you know, I get the, if, you know, there's some other teams that want me in the NFL. Um, and you hear that, that probably lasts maybe about two weeks. Because, what you know, this is around the time that uh, the NFL season, regular season is winding down. And, you know, it's going to be Black Monday where head coaches get canned and then, New head coach candidates are going to be speculated and interviewed. Um, and essentially, <laughs> that tie came and passed, and Harbaugh was never truly connected to anyone because nobody wanted him. He signed, so Harbaugh <laughs> signs it, you know, big surprise. 
uh, signs the extension, and then it's like you know Jim is recommitted, right? And uh, it, you know, it, it, <laughs> I, I guess here's my feelings on the actual extension. We actually never really said it. <laughs> we want to tell the backstory, rightfully so. First, um, it's I actually have some time to think about this, Desmond. I want to see what you think too. The way Ward Manuel framed this extension, it's very, very Michigan fa favorable to Michigan. Um, the buyout of this contract, I think I uh, heard it's like 53rd ranked in the country. Like it essentially is a is a cheap buyout. So that Michigan has a really easy and quick out for this, right? So it's a really quick, easy out for Michigan. It's all incentive lading for Harbaugh. In terms of, dude, you want this more? You want more money? You gotta do X, Y, and Z. So Michigan's kind of doing what I wanted them to do, which is they're, hold, they're holding Harbaugh accountable. Dude, you want you want to get paid like a big dog? You need to deliver big dog results, right? So I had time to think about it, and that's how I feel. Of course, my number one thing was I wanted him fired, but hey, if he's gonna come back, at least make make it seem like you you recognize he has not done enough, and that you're holding him accountable. And I like it. I like the way they went about this extension in terms of what they offered him. And um, I still think he's going to get canned because all the results are on there. I mean, not results, all the extension um, stipulation. Nah, sorry. Sorry. Thank you. The incentive stipulations the, uh, incentives. Um, are things that he's not going to be able to do. So, I mean, what, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, I, I think for Ward Manuel, it was a it was a ballsy yeah. uh, extension that he put on the table. Like I, I truly feel that way. I mean, to tell a coach, "Hey, we want you, but we want you for half the salary that we paid you the last contract, and also your buyout's going to be next to nothing." Uh, and this is the offer. Like that—that is, I mean, ew, that is that's that's that. Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, don't love the the you know kind of leaving a, a school in limbo because I'm I'm of the thought that and especially for for Michigan and where you guys are at as a program like Jim needs <laughs> to be all in eat sleep and breathe yeah. Michigan football right. like all the time to do this job well like it right. it just that that's what it is like I uh you know in contrast you look at a coach like Nick Saban like the morning after the national championship in, in that hasn't even gotten back to Tuscaloosa yet. And, you know, teams, uh, a reporter asked him like, you know, how much time have you taken to, to really enjoy it? You know, do you put things on pause at all? And he's like, no, we, you know, I, I was meeting with players last night about, you know, their future plans, like, you know, what they need to do to improve for next year for the guys coming back. You know, we, he's like, you can never fall asleep even one day, you know, at the, at the, at the wheel. Like that, like that needs to be the Jim Harbaugh approach as well. Like you, you've got to, it, it's got to be a constant thing. Um, so it, I, I mean, it is what it is at this point. He signed the extension. Um, I, I think it was a bold move by, by Ward, but I, I like, look, man, like if you want to get paid, just win. Like, that, you know, we've, we put it out there for you. We've already yeah. paid you all this money. Like, so you know what? How 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 much we more do you everything. think I'm We've gonna continue you to pay you? We we paid um, you handsomely. We paid you handsomely. Literally everything. We've always backed you. Anything you've ever requested, we've we we've granted. 
you know, uh, within reason, you know, this staff member, whatever, whatever dollar amount you need for this person, whatever, right? We never question your antics and how you went about mm-hmm. things, you know, going up in trees and, you know, like we never like question what you were doing, you know, Jim, whatever you need, you do. You've been given everything. But what if you're given to us? So, you know what? All right. You want us to give you more? Then you need to give us something. And I, I love, I love, I love how they framed it. I hate that they, I didn't like the optics of it. It seemed like they were waiting on Jim because it seemed, it appears like you are putting on your chips in on him. It's like, hold on, do you, you know, guys, you're the University of Michigan. You know what I'm saying? You guys are a brand. The hell with him. If he wants to leave you guys on limbo, you know, like that, I'm like, you know what, Jim? I would have put a little more, a little bit more of a, um, I would have liked more of a time uh, sensitive type thing put on him. Like, okay, look, you, you want to field other offers? Here's the, here's our offer. You want to field others? We're okay with that, but we're going to have a time frame, right, to this, right? And that ain't, that should have been discussed. And also, I think a little bit leaked. Like, look, Jim has an offer. He's going to look at it, but we're also out of courtesy and respect for him. We're going to allow him to see what other things he they're out there for him. But we do have a time frame in front of that, right? Like it could to me, it at the end of the day, yes, your offer did show that you're taking control, but a time uh, putting a time um block on it would have showed also how much you value your time, right? Is that yeah, you know what? We're not waiting on you. You know what I'm saying? And I would have liked to see that a little bit more too, but at the end of the day, um, he's been extended. Um, and he, you know, and I give him credit. You know, I'm not going to load over it like uh, some local media are doing. He did a really nice assistant coach. He did, had a really good recruiting class. You know, you know the 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 debacle of his contract, yeah. and also he did bring in Mike Hart, who I think is going to be a. Um, it, apparently, he was he did a really good. A really good job for Tom Allen in Indiana, which is a rising program in the in in conference. Um, you know, and Mike Hart is a hey, he's one of my favorite Wolverines. You know, good old number twenty. And um, I, there's a part of it I don't like, but there's parts of it I do like. I do like that he's young. Um, he obviously knows his football. He's a a passionate guy, but he he's also the guy. Remember, we always talk about the entitlement being a big problem at Michigan. Kind of, he fits that typical Michigan man <laughs> thing where it's like, hey, we're Michigan, and you know, little brother, you know. So it's kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want that voice in the locker room, but I, I think he's going to help with recruiting and all that stuff. But um, anything else you want to say on the Harbaugh extension before we kind of fly through these NBA topics? Uh, no, I mean, it, it, it yeah. just, he, he's got to do the job, man. Like, it, it, you know, you got, yep. you just got to get it done at the end of the day. So, okay. Uh, okay. you know, all right. We'll uh, so happens. for the people out there, um, also, also know this too. I should have said this at the beginning, uh, but I'll definitely say it now. And at the end of the podcast, uh, for at this episode, uh, we're covering a lot today. Uh, it's been a lot going on in sports. And so if you don't like, we're talking about, you go all the way. Here's the beautiful thing about a podcast. What's the beautiful thing about a podcast, Des? Uh, we're here. We're real people, and you know, you can always DM us and yeah. you know, say, "Hey, this sucks." Yes, uh, it, talk it, about it, something to, else. Also, to so, avoid yeah. hopefully us getting <laughs> those comments, up. you can fast forward, you can rewind if you're not really happy about what, <laughs> about 
or connect to what we're talking about, you can always go to another topic, which we're going to cover quite a bit. So um, real quick, um, COVID's here. It's been here. Um, and so last year, uh, March Madness was canceled. Uh, the NBA season was postponed and picked up in a very, very unique way. Which was which was the NBA bubble down in Orlando, um, you know, essentially all the NBA teams that were fringe playoff teams and playoff teams were sent down there. They were all put up in three really nice results on the Disney campus or something like that, and uh, they were able to successfully finish their season. Well, new season kicked off. They're no longer in the bubble, and college basketball is back as well. Basketball is in full swing, and no surprise, there have been a lot of complications because COVID is surging in the country with the general population. They're having a surge in their uh, on their teams in college and the NBA as well, which is leading to a lot of cancellations. Um, so, I mean, look, their season has begun. You know, what should happen next? I mean, are, are, are we looking at, Desmond, a, um, a postponement in both of those? Uh, sports or a deferment in which they take a break and try to figure things out. I mean, what do you think is next? Uh, Well, it seems, it seems that college is having less issues. Um, NBA, it it seems to be quite a few. Um, I mean, I, I, it's difficult. What I would probably say is, my initial reaction for NBA is to take a pause for two weeks, try to kind of get, you know, things rolling. Cause uh, to me, there's no benefit in uh, we're the, you know, you and I, we play for the Pistons, whatever we've got, you know, we got a game coming up every two or three days, but we keep getting it canceled. Like what's, what's the benefit in that? I would say pause for two weeks, try to get things kind of, you know, kind of send messaging out to players like, Hey, Here's where we're at. Like, we need to kind of get things under wraps and under control. My concern with that is guys not having the motivation to play will hmm. do things that are irresponsible in regards to COVID. Like, so it's, it's, I, I like that would be my solution, but I, I also realize what problems would, you know, potentially come of that. Like, you've got, you know, you got guys in season now that are, that are not taking it seriously mm-hmm. and, and following the protocol. So it's, it's difficult, man. I mean, the other, you know, thought would be to, to go back to the bubble, but I don't know how, you know, you can't, are you going to be able to have that many teams, you know, down in the, in the, in the bubble. You're talking about having guys at the bare minimum committing. What what was that? Like two weeks, because, you know, you had the French bubble teams that were trying to play into the playoffs and you had teams who knew they weren't good enough to win a championship, you know, so, it may be the four weeks tops, right? You know, you're talking about they're only, yep. I think, 20 games into their regular season, 20, 25 games to their regular season. They're not even at the half point mark yet. So it's like you're talking about, let's say, they, let's say this will never happen, but they pause the season. It was like, okay, we're going to a bubble. So you're talking about whenever you do pick up doing what 40 games plus playoffs no that's not happening uh you know you'll never get players to commit to that i mean you got guys like george hill who's saying that look about the new nba um uh regulations or COVID. 
Like, I'm a grown man. I'm going to do what I want to do. If I want to see family, I'm going to see family. If it's that serious, maybe we shouldn't be playing. There you, there you go. You got guys like that with that who say his mindset. And so um, now I, 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 I think it's, it's tough. It's tough. I, I think the, the easiest thing to do is to pause the season and try to figure things out. You try to figure out new regulations. Um, you know, you, you, you try to give some time for legit contact tracing. Stop chasing your tail. Figure out who has it, who doesn't, and try it again. And um, I think that's the difficult part is you is it's not like you can because my my other thought was I think like you know the the punishment needs to be mm-hmm. more severe for guys Can't that remember. are being irresponsible. But you you can catch it while while being responsible though. Like right, I agree with guys like Kyrie, <laughs> but right. you know you're not gonna have video of guys twenty four seven. So what if, what if I'm being responsible and doing what I need right. to do and I still get it? Like, you, you know what I mean? I'm getting fined, you know, heavy fines for I, I did what I was supposed to do. Like, so try. So now you're trying to police the fines. You know what I mean? And you got guys in, in you know, uh, uh, court, you know, quote unquote, like trying to plead their case of I did do what I was supposed to do and blah, blah, blah. It's 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 difficult, man. It's it's tough. I I mean. Another option is is do you do try to get to because I think this this season is going to be short anyway. I think it's like seventy games or 72. 72. So can you get to can you get to forty games? You know, and then go to the bubble for everybody else. You know, I I don't know. Like there because there's what thirty there'd be thirty games left. I don't know how many teams, but they're they're hey, playing a lot of a like back fan, I would love like, that. It seems like it's one like and a... eight or one in ten or something like that. And uh, as the season ended, the sooner the season ends, the better because if we have the worst record in the NBA, which I hope we do. That helps yeah. our draft stock. <laughs> uh, so I would love that. And no, I think you're on to something. You know, maybe you don't get to seventy two. You know, you cap it at sixty or you cap it at fifty five. You know, like a a number. I don't think four. I don't think four is legitimate because then you can have you're gonna have a hard time with players and teams like being okay with that because it's like hold on that's not legitimate that's not a legitimate separator or distinguisher of who should be in the playoffs and who shouldn't be I I, I think sixty or fifty five sixty will be a good distinguisher I, I do um, and you just have to you're just gonna have to live with it right you just gonna have to yeah. live with it forty I think it's cutting a little too short um, but. Since you know we mentioned Kyrie Irving, um, no surprise. I mean, you've been adamant about this, and so have I, that he is a whatever word you want to use—a cancer, a huge distraction. He is a a, a handful to handle. Um, he scores a lot. Of, he gets buckets, but he also knocks over buckets of mess on the floor in your organization. On this, and at the same time. <laughs> And um, he's doing it again. No, no surprise. He's got his way. He had his boy here, at KD. They 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 went to Brooklyn together, right? Then they both got hurt last year. Well, KD was already hurt, and Kyrie got hurt last mm-hmm. year. Came back playing well. We're like, dang. I mean, we're talking about watching them decimate the Warriors. Like these guys are playing pretty well together. Nets look very very promising. First year coach Steve Nash, and then Kyrie has pulled a uh, MIA. He's been MIA for, I think, for the last, what, week and a half, two weeks. Uh, not really giving a huge public announcement as to why. We're not asking for huge details, Kyrie. Just a little bit of a background will be, you know, courteous, professional, whatever you want to say. And so now the Nets, 
go and uh, go full in and get James Harden. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. So, Desmond, when you look at the situation, is Kyrie Irving more of the blame or is it the Nets for trusting him? Uh, I would say, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Kyrie's fault. Like you're because you're he, Kyrie is the sure. one that is actively yeah. doing the the thing that's creating issues. Um, and and the, and the thing is, what he's doing wouldn't create mm. issues if he would just communicate with the right people. So you can be away from the team like that's not a you know, it, I've got some personal things going on. And and even for the media and the fans, like what who gives a hoot what we think about the key is. GM ownership and your head coach, <clears throat> excuse me, so they can communicate things to, you know, either to number one, to your teammates. And then also if it comes up to the public, like, yep, Kyrie, like we're fully aware of what's going on with Kyrie. Like he needs some time right now to focus on himself. Um, that's all the comments that we're going to give. Boom. Everything. No one has any problems. Yeah. The media is always going to speculate. Well, what is it? Is it, you know, but regardless, it's not creating issues within the Nets organization. What you're doing now is definitely creating issues in the Nets organization. Um, now, with me saying it's Kyrie's fault, that doesn't mean that the Nets get zero blame because they, I mean, I it, I still go back to the same thing. It's Kyrie's fault, but the Nets also knew what they were getting with Kyrie. Like, he's he's been this guy yeah. since probably he played with LeBron. This is who this guy like it, is. You know, I mean, so like it's, it's you been know, a while. Say, oh, he's probably going through something. Like, he's been like this. He's been, he's been like this his whole career. So, I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, this is always this has been him since probably he was what three years, because I think I think Cleveland got the number mm -hmm. one pick, which was him the year after LeBron left, and LeBron yeah. spent three years in Miami and then came back. So he yeah, so by, probably his fourth his year. I think uh, for Kyrie, this has been him since. Um, since so that. you're talking about, and LeBron returned in 2014. So I think yeah, it's 11, 12, 13, 14. He had about three or four seasons. Uh, before LeBron got there. And you didn't really hear much, probably because, you know, the Cavs sucked. So, I mean, no one really cared. Um, and then, yeah, man, this is who they've been. And, um, yep. you know, I'll I, I put most of, course, most of the, you know, the, the blame on Kyrie, of course, you know, because even though, dude, clearly you are a prima donna or pe some people say he has mental issues, you know, there's speculation. Nothing, nothing factual, nothing actually fully reported, but it's always a speculation as to why this guy – is the way he is. He's an eyeball. He thinks the earth is flat. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's an odd guy. He's he's not a, he's not a typical dude, right? Um, but it, it's that's all fine and Danny. Dennis Rodman wasn't a typical dude. Look, Dennis Rodman requested a break, but there was look one thing that we found out, especially through the last dance, that Dennis Rodman was very upfront about what he wanted. <laughs> He gave it to him. <laughs> maybe Car maybe that's what happened. <laughs> maybe Kyrie during the summer was watching the last dance. He was like, Oh, I can do that. Bet. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I, I, yo, Steve. Steve. <laughs> hey, what are you gonna do if you're Steve Nash? You're a first year head coach. Hey, Steve, I need a break. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Uh yeah. Well, yeah, you can have, you can have practice off today. Yeah, that's fine. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I need to leave for like two the weeks. Season just, start, hey, the season just started. What? Uh, what are you? 
What? Are you are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not even twenty. Dennis Rodman did that. Like yeah, about, I think it was through the season after Sky Pippen got back when he was carrying the load with MJ. He's like, "Yo, man, I, I need a break." <laughs> but Kyrie, the season just started. Just started. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. and think about how Kyrie ended last season. He was hurt. You didn't even play in the bubble, so you didn't play in the bubble, and so you had you know, but so you had the long hiatus that you know the break happened before the bubble, and then you had the bubble. So Kyrie, you've been off for like a year. Why? Why do you need a break? What? What? What am I missing here? Like, and, and granted, that, that's just you know how I imagine the discussion going. I don't know what's going on with them. I don't. Uh, you know, hope everything's fine, but dude, just text the GM and your head coach, dude. and you know, you, know, you want to be like, our person, fine. It's not that but hard. It's a certain level of professionalism right. that you need to have. You are the one of the star players on this team. You are the highest paid, or maybe now third highest paid, or you're one of the highest paid guys on this team. Be a professional, and at least, even though, even with things that are going to be resisted and not people are not going to be pleased with you, at least you're being upfront. That, that, that that's my problem now the nets mm-hmm. see this situation and this is why i think happened Nets like man we can't count on Kyrie, can we we gotta win it all this year james harden wants to come to brooklyn they go all in they push all their chips on the table and james harden wants out of houston he goes on record Saying that he gave his all to Houston. We tried and it just didn't work. <laughs> and he shows up to the season out of shape. Looks like he's been, you know, doing a lot more eating than working out. And he gets his way. And Brooklyn gets <laughs> their guy. Yep. And James Harden now, now it's a net. So here's the thing. I want you to answer this in two ways. Assuming Kyrie returns, will this lead to a championship? And if he doesn't return, will this lead to a championship? And which one do you think is the better odds of a championship happening? Now, I can answer this first, or do you want to go first? Okay. Um, I can go first. Um, I will say if Kyrie returns, I do not think it will lead to a championship. Uh, if he stays away, <laughs> I also do not think that would lead to a championship. But I think the the My best boy. combo no, would be with I'm him with not there. I and I know it sounds crazy because he's a, he's a superstar player. But it, I I just think that him and James Harden, their skill sets are just too similar. Like their 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 skill sets are too similar. Mm-hmm for just one basketball to be out there like it'd be different if both of those guys if it was clay thompson and ray allen that's fine both of those guys are catch and shoot guys they don't need the ball a lot um but james harden and Kyrie, they both need the ball a lot and the the issue is i and here's how i've played it out in my mind that there's not going to be any real discussion of who is the one that's going to sacrifice here because everybody's not going to get 20 shots a game so I think the the nat what will naturally happen is that if all three of them get back together, 
I think Kevin Durant is going to be the one that is going to that it's naturally going to sacrifice because of his confidence level as a player. Like, I don't think he would cause a fuss or have issues or, or, you know, be be disruptive if he doesn't get his shots. Whereas I think the other two would. And I and I and and also, too, with those up that like Kevin Durant's probably going to bring the ball up the floor five percent of the possessions. No. The rest of the time, it's going to be those other two, and they they're not giving the ball up, like so. I, I think honestly, and 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 if that were yeah. to happen, yeah. that's a disaster. Kevin Durant's the best player on that team by far, so he's if anyone takes a backseat, it, it should not be him. But I think because yeah. of their styles, it it would yeah. naturally be KD, and that would and and the Nets will be worse. So I that's I think crazy. you're better off. I mean. I, <laughs> I think the best the best potential formula for winning a championship for the Nets would be Kyrie staying away. Yeah. And and, and also uh, I mean it being James we're, we're, and, and we're KD really locked up with that. Cuz you know, I actually agree with you that I think their best chance is actually I, I don't think they have any chance because I'm not falling for Okie doke no matter if they all three play together or, or just two of them play because for one they gut up their bench, you know, and people really underestimate. I I I'll take you to well, I'll tell you why it's going to feel after I say this. You first talk about their playing styles. I would guarantee you if they did a poll or they did statistics on the amount of dribbles taken per capita isolation play in the NBA, the two highest <laughs> dudes will be Kyrie Irving and James Harden. That's how they score. It, it's give me the ball at the top. Dribble, 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 dribble. I'm going to try to break you, break your legs, or get you back, and I'm going to shoot when I'm going to drive. That's what they do. They're not hit- – you don't see Kyrie Irving with his Cleveland and Boston and Brooklyn. Um, J- James Harden uh, is Tommy Houston. You never see those guys catch and shoot. Bam. No, it's always dribble, 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 dribble. It's how they create their shot creators, drivers. That's how they play. Their game is their game. And they are volume scores for them to be effective. But for James Harden to be effective, it's not. You don't see James Harden, Desmond, go 10 for 15, score 27 points. And you know, blah blah blah, assistant rebounds. It's normally 40 points or 38 points. Uh, let's say 14 for 28 or 14 for 30, right? 15 for 30. Uh, and let's say 14 trips mm-hmm. to the free throw line. His game is pre- is built on high shot volume, right? So he can draw files to shoot threes, etc. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen in Brooklyn. So you're talking about his game for one potentially getting out of rhythm, and also his impact isn't as high. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. I mean, if you really want to be a basketball nerd about it, there's a re- there's a lot of reasons why this this dynamic just won't work. And people got a lot of this 2K person uh, look at it like, oh, 2K, you talking about three guys that are at least 94 percent, 94 overall. This is gonna be great. No, it don't work like that in real life basketball. Not to mention coach <laughs> bench. And um, yeah, I, I do think their chances are higher if Kyrie stays away because the dynamic could work a little bit different. Because let me ask you this: because this is not a regular season question, right? Regular season, they can win a lot of games, but in the playoffs, what happens if you drop one that you're not supposed to drop? And you got a must-win game, and you're down a stretch in the fourth quarter. Who's getting the ball? Who's getting the ball? Like, there's a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Kyrie, Kyrie, <laughs> Kyrie's getting. The ball. My thing is, whoever's bringing the ball down, 
and it, and see and it, and and that's the concern too is you get yeah. to is you yeah. is right. in the regular season it's fine like whatever we lost the game okay no big deal blah 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 but when you start getting to you know let's say they right. get a, a playoff game right. and let's say it's high pressure you play Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals and let's say uh, you drop the first mm-hmm. game. And say you even go, yeah. let's say you drop the first game at home and you're like, crap, we needed that one. And then you start to get to, you know, second, third quarter in, in game two. And, you know, if you're KD or not even KD, because I don't think this would ever go through his mind, but you're Kyrie. <laughs> and it's like, damn, James just brought the ball down the last like five times and he shot it every time. Like, so then next time, you know, next time down, shot. Kyrie gets it and he's like, well, shoot, I'm not going to pass it because he just. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, and, and then they get in their minds, this yeah. vendetta of like, man, he's, he's trying to, he's trying to ice me out. Like, so let me, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that, like, bro, yes. I, and, and I can see that happening like 100%. Like that is definitely going to happen. And James thinking like, oh, I'm cooking. Right. I just, just the last four. five times, like, yeah, I shot it, but <laughs> yeah. I got to the free throw line and I got, you know what I mean? I, right. Like, it, like this is, this is working. My way is working. Meanwhile, Kyrie is just like, man, I need my, I need to get the ball next, hey. next. So you got guys the fighting Milwaukee over the inbounds. I, I could just see all two. kinds and, and, of mess. The scenario, that's what I'm saying. The playoffs, the playoffs add that pressure. And when you are a great player, you naturally have every great play, player. And I think this is actually what makes LeBron special. I know I'm a LeBron fanboy, but whatever. Is that he's he's never really had this, and I mean in a good way. Is that just like this sense of anxiety that I have to do something. I have to do something. I have to make a play. I, I have to change the momentum and trajectory of this game, right? Like, great players have that that comes up, especially in high-pressure situations. You know, like, it's game two. Nets somehow drop the first one versus Milwaukee or let's say Miami or whatever. Let's say it's a team that they're not supposed to lose to, right? Let's say they drop game one. For some reason, game two is close. And it's like, uh, I, I got to get the ball. I got to make a play. And then you're, and it can become a disaster so freaking quickly because, especially, it's not like Golden State where you had even Miami. When you, Chris Bosch took a lesser role, there'll be games Chris Bosch gets 10 shots and most of them will be threes, right? Like, same thing with like in in Golden State, you're dealing with a unique situation. Mm -hmm. Clay can score 15. Like, if he gets 10 shots, it, like he's okay like all right well because i'm just gonna lock down the other dude's best team player you know like it's a different dynamic this dynamic just is a terrible yep. fit and um I, I just don't think it's going to work but um any last thoughts on that uh before we um talk about our favorite team here in detroit uh no i i just with the nets i mean it, it I, I I don't know. I, yeah. I just I think about, you know, we talked about it before the season. Like, granted, yeah, mm-hmm. they had a good early games with, you know, Kyrie and KD. But, you know, but when they got together, we talked about how it could be a mess and mainly because of Kyrie. And 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 look at it's it. Software. We're 20, not even 20 games in and it's and it's a mess. Like so, it, I mean, like that, I, I think him being a distraction He's a head case. Like I, I, also, I just don't. I don't see the next winning. Also, you know, one thing we also failed to mention uh, during this whole dynamic to too. It's not like they have Phil Jackson, the Zen master, as head coach to kind of help with managing egos. They have a first year head coach, man. You know, like, like you have an inexperienced head coach. It, it it's hard. Yeah. Like Steve Nash is 
in a really, really tough position because you're dealing with three huge egos. Two of them, the biggest egos probably in the league. Uh, one guy is an oddball. You know, it's, it's tough. And it's like, well, especially because you just think about this. You just up upended your your roster pretty good. So now your rotations are off. You're bringing in a huge dynamic of a player in James Harden in who has a game that's very, very me-centric. So now your guys who have to learn how to play with him, right? Because he plays a very uh, iso-type ball. So now I have to understand, like, when James is going to kick it out. Because, you know, James, most of the time when James drives, he's going to drive all the way for the foul or the finish. But there are times he'll throw a oop, but there are times he'll kick it out. So as a shooter from Joe Harris, I got to figure out when this guy's going to pass the ball. That's going to throw my rhythm off. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the little small things that <laughs> uh, that impact chemistry. Yeah. And when you have one, then you have this huge distraction where one guy part of the big three is not fair. And you do where head coaches never dealt with this before. It's just a dynamic that it's it's a bad mix. And I, I, I can see this going off the rails quickly. But yeah. And then on top of it, right. too, you don't know the respect level that Steve Nash is commanding. Like you've already had once <laughs> once he got hired, the the guy who's MIA. Kyrie talking about, oh, we don't even really we don't even need a head coach. Bro, you have one. It, it would be different if you said it, but and you guys just don't have a head coach, but like you have a head coach. Like he has, I think not, you know, well, here's my thought. I think if Nash were to have won an NBA championship as a player, that sometimes having that cachet will help in the respect level if you're if you're an inexperienced head coach. Like you know, you haven't won a won a championship, but or you've won a championship, but you haven't coached a lot. I think that sometimes can help when you're dealing with this type of dynamic with your superstars. I think for you know, and, and obviously, got, uh, obvious guy to, to point to is Steve Kerr mm-hmm. with the Golden State, but Golden State didn't mm-hmm. have big egos, so like that that was a mute thing. But even had they had them, like I, I think you know, Kerr champion. being number he's one a, around the league champion, and front office, like that, Steve and Steve also winning a championship, right? Uh, three championships with the Bulls. One, he's uh, a four-time champion. One with the Spurs uh, in two thousand three, I think. So I mean, he's a, he's a he's a he's a well-respected yep. guy. Like you said, front office guy, you know, role player. Play, play on the field, Jackson. Some people think the best NBA coach of all time. You know, like he has a lot of cash. You know, he has a, a lot of respect, you know, around the league. So it, it's a, it's really, di- you know, Nash is a way better player than Steve yep. Kerr was. It's a totally different type of, um, like you said, uh, respect in terms of, dude, you know how to win, right? And, and he's been around, been around the right people. And so it's different. It's definitely different. Yeah. But, okay. So. Before we wrap, we got to. We got to. Good big news. I got to do it one more time. <laughs> the Detroit, Good old Detroit Lions. <laughs> the Detroit Lions have hired oh, a Restore the roar. And Bradley Holmes, a, a former now um, director of college, college scouting of the L.A. Rams, um, he is going to be our GM here in Detroit. What is your instant reaction, Desmond Upshaw? Uh, I mean, great. I, I, I don't even, I don't know much <laughs> hey, about it. 
yeah, I know I'm he's a brother, it. so I'm 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 happy about that. To be to be to be frank, uh, I I want my number one choice. I've been very clear and direct since day one that I wanted Lewis Riddick. Um, the the fact that we didn't get him doesn't mean that we made a bad hire, but it's just it's just one of those things. It's gonna have to be a wait and see approach. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what he does. I I mean, shoot, my my thought is, Clean slate. all right, man, get to work. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you're you're hired. Like, let's let's do what we need to do. Yep. Um, to me, clean slate more so on the GM versus the head coach because of your there. There's only there. I mean, there's two mm-hmm. events a year that matter for a, a GM. It's the draft and free agency. So it, it's it, you know you you don't have. It's such a delayed gratification because, you know, we could say who we love in the draft and, you know, once the Lions pick them, great, I love them or I hate them. But until the guy starts playing and playing on this team, you're not really going to know. Same with free agency. Oh, we've got Drake, Trey Flowers. That's awesome. That was a phenomenal pickup. But you're not going to really know the impact until he starts playing and once again playing on this team. So, really, it's just kind of like a, you know, type of uh, of thing because of, the number one, yes, the the decision and the 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 guy who's got to answer for it is the GM. But there's so many other people that that play a part into who our first round draft pick is going to be, who our number one top priority free agents and, and free agency signings will be, because, you know, they're there. It's a full team of, of people, you know, player personnel, uh, scouts, uh, just different things like that. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. But. You know, like I said, I'm 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 glad he's a minority. Um, you know, that's a that's a positive, no matter how it ends up. So yeah, excited man, about and, that, you know and, and I'm I, I, hope, I hope he does well. I hope he comes reasons. in and One, kills. Him. You know, actually, they're both selfish reasons. Um, as a Lions fan, I want to win, and two, him being a minority, him being you know a brother, you know, like I want him to open up the doors for other people because we don't get as many opportunities. You know, that's why the Rooney Rule was put into the NFL in the first place and um the more success that we have and not we can we've proven at one point you know we we don't have to just be receivers and running backs and linebackers we can be quarterbacks right you know we can win as quarterbacks we can be successful as quarterbacks you know we we had to prove can we be successful as head coaches can we you know can we win championships as head coaches you know guys like Mike Tomlin now proven that you know we we've proven and and now we know we're working on ways to prove that we can also work in the higher in the uh the upper echelons of a NFL organization, like the front office at, at the GM level. Um, we're working on that, you know, just to show that we, for not just for the person who's doing it, but people that will come up after them, that it will open up doors for them as well. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I hope the guy does well in terms of my reaction to it. Um, it it's, you know, I don't know. I can't pretend like I know a lot about him. Um, you know, and then also like he doesn't have like a lot of he doesn't he's never been a GM before. Now, one thing I can feel somewhat uh, um, has some kind of optimism about is that he was known for being a really good talent evaluator, which is critically important for man for a building an NFL roster. Now, on vice on the other end of that, you know, him not having the experience of being a GM. There's a lot more to it, you know, like managing a roster, you know, understanding how to manage the cap, you know, how to be flexible, um, when and how to make trades. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, 
you know, like you said, work in the room, work in the office, right? I mean, it's a big job and it's a lot of responsibilities. And um, but he deserves a fair shake and a fair shot. I guess for me, I hope that when he was interviewing with Sheila, um, Rod and um, and uh, uh, Chris Spielman, that they didn't, they didn't tie his hands, essentially saying that you have to keep Matt Stafford. I really hope that is Brad Holmes decision and whatever decision he makes that he has their 100 percent backing. Um, yep. Yeah, and I and I think that's important. Whether whether I yeah feel any way about it, it you know I I know what I want to happen. But if if he's got a clear vision for the Lions and that's something that we can execute, then I'm fine with that. Like if you if you feel that you can build a team around Matt Stafford, that's a winner. Like in two to three years, great. Like but. You know, nonetheless, it's, I, I, I am in lockstep with you. I would hate that they hire him with the basis of you have to do what we think is best for the team. Like, you know what I mean? So um, I, I, I truly hope he gets yeah, his yeah. bandwidth and, to and, do and, you whatever know, also it is after that he Holmes feels the best You know, hired uh, very quickly. Um, a head coach that's highly being speculated in favor to Lions is Dan Campbell. If Lions fans, if you recognize the name Dan Campbell, it's because he used to be a tight end here. Um, he was he was from 06 to 08. Yeah, not the best time for him to be a Lion, but uh, especially 2008 where we uh, were 0-16. Um, but, you know, uh, he, over the last couple of years, he has been the uh, tight ends coach and the assistant head coach for the New Orleans Saints, you know, working directly side by side or behind, based on where you see it, with Sean Payton. Uh, you know, the guy looks extremely intimidating. Um, but he's also, you know, known for being a, a, um, a player's coach, right? A guy who commands respect. Um, I can't pretend to know much about him, you know, very similar to Brad Holmes. He had a very short stint as an interim head coach in Miami in which he went five and seven. Um, but he's also a big question mark. So it's the same thing. I'm going to put the same thing on him. You know, if he is the head coach, clean slate, please have the power to do what you want to do for the vision of the team. Don't think you have to do any kind of trend. Uh, Mike Vrabel has shown that there's different ways that you can get this done. You can, if you want to be old school power football, you can do that. If you want to be more Kansas City, Arizona route, in which your guys are more pass happy, do that. Just whatever vision you guys want to execute, do it to the full extent. But also try not to be the smartest guy in the room like this last minute, last tandem was. And um, that's just my quick thoughts on it. What do you think about Campbell? Uh, in response to the first thing you said, as far as if the Lions <laughs> fans, uh, that name sounds familiar, it doesn't. They, Lions fans don't remember Dan Campbell. I, I will I will tell you that. We do not. Uh, if anything, it was from the stint right. with, the, with the Dolphins uh, as the interim head coach. I think it was when Philbin got fired. Um, so, it, I mean, I don't know. I, I saw a lot of passion mm-hmm. from him in that in that stint of, of you know, 12 games or so. Uh, it seemed like the guys there loved him. So I'll, I'll, I will try to hold out hope with that uh, as being the, the reason that it could go well, some indicators. Uh, but, you know, I mean, as a tight ends coach, Right. What all? Right. I mean, what all are you doing? I, you know what I mean. Like you're, you're position coach, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
Um, but it's not that he's not calling an offense. He's not, you know, doing anything of that sort. So, um, you know, the, the, my, my number one focus from, from the time that you get hired is to bring your staff in. Who's going to be our OC? Who's going to be our DC? Like what are, yeah. Cause those are, to me, those are more important because I, I think based on his track record as of today, I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be the play caller. So the most important thing is getting a play caller on, you know, with OC and DC. So that's that, that I'm probably going to have more, you know, scrutiny or criticism or, or, or analysis on those hires, because those things are, are critically important to, you know, our, our success as the lions. Um, it seems like I said, it seems like his players love him. It seems like his guys love him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the stint with Philbin was it. I mean, God, that's been what two, three years now. So it's been a, it's been a little bit, but um, but yeah. So I, I'm I'm holding out hope that uh, you know Dan Campbell will be able to 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 do some things here. So we'll we'll see. I just I think with our situation, we're not gonna get the top no, no, echelon of candidates out there because we don't have a good situation. Like we have a we have a quarterback. We're kind of middle of the road. Um, you know our cap situation isn't great. A lot of our good players are no are unre- unrestricted free agents, so they get to go wherever they want. So there's there's just a lot of you know un- there there's more negatives than positives with us. Uh, if you want to look at the positive, it is probably number one Matt Stafford, and then number two just the ability. Like our team could look a lot different next year than it did this year if you want it to history that, doesn't, that's doesn't potentially serve. a, a positive you, you mentioned you know, destination for, for, uh, being a good gm and a head coach you know, so. history doesn't serve as well i mean let's not act like when these guys are interviewing for this job and they're saying what they were like an offer that you know like I, there's i think there's people reported that you know like there were gms actually dave dave burkett uh said that uh, a writer i think of the detroit free if i'm not mistaken um uh, said that uh he's a beat writer for lions that there were a lot of GMs who came to interview who said they need a six-year deal because of how long they think that this is going to be in terms of a rebuild and retooling this roster. And that just tells you how people view this team, is that, like, it's not a great situation. There needs to be a lot of cleanup because there's a there, – the last tandem of the Quintricia era was all about their guys. It wasn't necessarily about the best players. It was about guys who fit their system, a niche, right? It was a very niche type of roster built, right? So – to clean all that up, it's going to take some time. And um, I think when guys, head coaches and GMs are looking at this, they're like, you know, for one, history, most people who coach or work for this franchise don't get jobs afterwards. They don't last long, for one. They don't get jobs afterwards. And also the current situation is not the best. That's a lot working against you if you're the Lions. So, um, yeah. No. I mean, think about this. Like, National sports media doesn't even talk about the Lions. Like, if you watch any of the big shows on ESPN, Fox, like, no one talks about the Lions ever. Like, that lets you know where you're at as a franchise. Like, you could could almost go through every other team, almost every other team. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they get covered on the national media. Like, and it may not be a full show. But even the worst of the worst, the Jags, the Jets, right, right, like right. and mainly because it's like, well, are they going to keep losing to get the number one pick or whatever the case may be? But everybody gets gets talked about. I feel like except us. I could be biased because I'm I'm looking for it. 
But like that, that's that. If you want to know a state of Some the of union, like, that's, where we that's where we're at. A, like we literally get no coverage nationally. So you know. Right, 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 right. But right. you don't have a choice with Thanksgiving, though. We're we're one of four teams to play. You know what I mean? Like you, you had that. It'd be like every team has a bye week except you know whatever the Bears and the and the the mm-hmm. Giants. So so yeah, we got to talk about the Bears and Giants because that's the only game that's going to get played today. But it's it's ugh, it's a rough situation, man. We I think our rebuild. I think us getting back to let's even say a playoff team or fringe playoff team. I think that will be it, me personally. I think yeah, it'll be get accelerated. Capital, I think we'll get there quicker if we trade Matt and, Stafford. Um, you know, and, and as you've seen, like you don't, you don't even need like a great quarter, even a really good quarterback to get into playoff. The, the Washington football team, granted, NFC East was historically bad, but I mean, if, if you get young talent and the right head coach, you can really get your franchise. I mean, look at Miami in the mix very, very quickly. And, um, you know, and, and that's why the NFL, a rebuild in the NFL, that's why people shouldn't be scared of this. If you're listening to us right now, which I hope you are, like and describe, uh, don't be scared of the word rebuild when it comes to NFL. It's not like the NBA or baseball or hockey. It, it You can re- rebuild an NFL in two to three years, you know, really, really quick. And even in the midst of that, it's not like the NBA where a team is rebuilding yep. for two or three years and they're trash every single year like you can take little baby steps every year and you're still technically rebuilding arizona cardinals are still technically rebuilding okay but in the midst of it they're exciting right they have hope they are enjoying i'm sure cardinal fans enjoy uh enjoy watching them you know what i'm saying like it's not like this suckler two of just like oh we're so we're so bad and we i know we're rebuilding it hurts and we're so boring to watch because we're not talent no, you're building your especially in the field, it, it benefits you. There's no lottery. So when you're rebuilding, you even if you have one bad season, it's okay because you're going to you're you're guaranteeing right. yourself the chance to take in the better young players so you get there even quicker. That's why it's so hard to, to be as bad as the Lions have been over the last 60 years, because the NFL's built for you to be good every what four, every four years or so. So it yeah, so and, and and that's why don't be scared, Lions fans out there, yeah. to of the At word least. rebuild. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. So lastly, Desmond, um, your boy Deshaun Watson wants out. Um, you know, yes or no, and if yes, where? If you have to guess, he ends up. It does Deshaun Watson get traded before this upcoming NFL season, twenty twenty one, and if so, where do you see him landing? Give me one spot, top of mind. Uh, um, does he get traded before the season starts? I will say, I'll say no. Although I would like him to, I, I think a potential hmm? landing spot. Uh, what actually would be Jacksonville? I I think if I am yeah if I'm if I am Houston, right? I it, it's similar to James Harden, right? I'm not taking peanuts. I'm not I'm not doing that. Like I this guy is too good to for me to take a discount. But if I am gonna go with with so it, the value to me the value of of 
high draft picks in the NFL right, are course. vastly, vastly right. more valuable than any draft pick in the NBA because those it's it just rare that a guy pans out. So if I am Houston, I would be willing to swap Deshaun for the number one pick, your, your next two ones. So give me the number one pick you got this year, which is virtually Trevor Lawrence yeah. and your one next year. Uh, and we might we might have something to talk about. And I, I, if I'm Jacksonville, I could potentially see doing that because number one, I got a hundred million dollars in cap space, so I'm I, my cap is golden. And you sign, and yeah. you're telling me I have a no, superstar quarterback. Get, like I, I can work and, with that. Deshaun, I know he knows about Uncle Urban. Um, he's he he's beating Uncle Urban <laughs> himself in college. I'm sure he respects him. Yep. That ooh, I, I like that. I like that. And if he could, you know, yep. that, that's a good one. And because if you think about it, that's one of the rare situations in both teams. I think really it, do get something that they can, can justify to their fan base is doing. I mean, if you're Jacksonville, you're like, okay, yeah, I know we gave number one overall pick. We know, yes, Trevor Lawrence probably is going to be really good, but we know this guy is fantastic. He's really young. He signs, so he's not going anywhere. Jacksonville, Jacksonville fans, we promise we're going to do him right. He won't leave, and. We can build around him. We got we got a really good head coach, uh, and Urban Meyer coming here. Deshaun fits exactly the type of quarterback that, let's be frank, that uh, Urban loves to work with. It, it it can be a great situation if you're Houston. Okay, you're essentially hitting the yep. restart in your franchise anyway. Um, you get the number one overall pick. You get your quarterback of the future. You gave him more draft capital from Jacksonville because you're going to probably ask, like you said, two ones. And, you know, that's easy to sell. You know, um, I'm sure down in Houston, they would love to have Trevor Lawrence. Um, and so, no, that, that's great. Because you get any, yeah. And think, too, because yeah. number one, Houston has an awful cap situation. I think they're already over the cap, projected over the cap. So they got to get rid of guys. Um, and then two, four, if I'm Jacksonville, number one, yeah, I'm sure they would be excited for Trevor Lawrence, but they're for sure going to be excited for Deshaun Watson. So there's no negative there. And if I, you know, I've got 100 million cap space now, it, I could bring in some really good players, mm -hmm. some good free agents. And because I believe Watson's got one more year on his rookie deal and then yeah. his big money starts to kick in. Well, I can I can get guys and front load their contracts. You know what I mean? I can I can bring in, for instance, Kenny Galladay and I could pay him, you know, 18, 19 million dollars year one. You know what I mean? Like where would I get a heavy guarantee year one? And then it kind of trails off a bit. But like there's so much flexibility and then also too for Houston, like you've got to you've got to cut down on that cap number. Well, what better way than to you know trade your your granted? I mean, it's not a usual thing, but trade your superstar quarterback, and you know you're gonna have Trevor Lawrence, who's gonna be you know outside of his signing bonus, essentially free for that, that, the next wow, four man. years. I didn't you know, like that. I, I think it's a good that, situation for both teams. And I'm gonna steal it. <laughs> I think that because I, I I think that's rare. That that's really rare because it, even like the Jets are not nowhere near <laughs> a good of a situation. Because you know, um, I'm sorry. Like I know locally, people are really big on Robert Sala. I much rather like the combination of Urban, especially because you're thinking about one guy, one head coach has a pedigree of being a head coach, especially I know on a college level, but being a great head coach and um. And, and he's an offensive guy for one. And also, 
you know, you're getting a quarterback that you know fits exactly, exactly what he looks for. So um, I, I think it's a match made in heaven. And, um, you know, the Jets are terrible. And I, I like I, I keep harping on, but I feel like that would be a good situation. And, you know, Jacksonville has some young pieces like they're they're not far from being a, yeah. a dangerous team. Yeah. Josh yeah. Allen, you got uh, uh, DJ Shark. Josh, I think Robinson is the running back. Like, dude, you've got you've got some pieces to work with. You probably need a little more O-line help to keep, you know, Watson clean. But with one hundred million dollars, like you yeah. can get the, you can fill almost every hole that you have with a hundred million dollars. If, if teams Maybe can fill not. three and four spots with and, 30 and million start, and 40 dude. million. And we're talking about legit charges. We're not talking about, Man, you know, you like, can have, um, I mean, it, no, like, dude, that, they can be dangerous too. And I say this, right. uh, and, you know, and uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be done. Um, is that like outside of quarterback corner, not even a receiver, like, like most starters, like I think the average starting salary, salary of the NFL like probably make around maybe what three four million a year like it like and just turn the base like it's not like the NBA people like when it's like oh guys are making yeah. like role players make 15 million no 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 like it's so you like you like that's like what you're saying but that much cash space you know mm-hmm. hell let's say that the 40 million per year kicked in for Deshaun right away with 60 million, 60 million of cash space is gigantic. And um, no, I, I'm with you, man. I, I, I'm with you. It, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, yep. Now, before we wrap, um, you know, you uh, to 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 aid listeners and with more content, um, you know, throughout the week or whenever uh, with time permits, uh, how about you tell a little bit more about, you know, uh, the podcast you also do? Uh, called Algo, just so they can also subscribe to that and uh, they can get hear more of your soothing voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what people have been clamoring for. Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, so Algo Podcast, it's just uh, something wanted to do uh, just to uh, continue to put out some more content and uh, they're much smaller um, episodes is usually, I think most of them are between like six and 10 minutes. Uh, just real like quick hits. Um, I did one video on YouTube, which you can just search all go podcast on YouTube and, uh, you know, just want to, just want to, you know, try out some more stuff and, and, uh, you know, keep on rolling. So we, uh, we are the OGs with the, uh, the Dre and Des podcast. We've been, we've been doing it in, multiple formats for for a while because we've done uh obviously this format as well as we did a a couple youtube episodes as well i think we did three i think together um so we've you know it's this is always going to be you know something that we you know continue to do and and uh continue to push out more content so um just just did a little something something small on the uh on the side uh, so videos uh, yeah feel free to he did last year if you want to see him in action um, but like I said, you know, like he, this is a great chance if, you know, um, if you just want some additional content throughout the week and, um, you know, uh, you know, the random things that may come up that, you know, we haven't gotten to at the Drain Dad's podcast that he'll be able to get to, or it may be things that we, we, we do at the same time, you know, we cover on both, but it's just a way to kind of continue to hear from us, hear from him in particular, 
um, you know, as he, you know, he's has a great football mind, as you guys know, um, and uh, he's going to give you guys some good stuff. So, you know, like, subscribe to here, and also like, and tell your friends about this one, and also, of course, all go. And uh, I think we are all good. What do you think? All right. Peace. I think we are as well, man. That's uh, another episode of the Dre and Dez podcast.